We've got to talk about the real problems that are facing Texas and the pain that we're all in because each and every one of us lives in some form of pain or another, whether it's economic pain or emotional pain. We can get through it and we can fix most of the stuff that ails us as a state and as a nation. The solutions are right there in front of us, but we've got to be part of it. We've got to participate in it. It's Thursday, February 1st, 2024, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. After careful, extensive consideration and conversation amongst our board members, Progress Texas is proud to announce our endorsement of immigration lawyer and proven progressive fighter State Senator Roland Gutierrez in the Texas primary for the U.S. Senate. Kathleen Thompson, Progress Texas Executive Director, says, quote, Roland Gutierrez is fighting for the future of our democracy, the freedom to choose our leaders, to control our own bodies, and to work and live in communities safe from crime and pollution. The primary is an opportunity for progressive Texans to demonstrate their growing political power to win and then take on Ted Cruz, who abandoned Texans long before his sunny Cancun vacation during the 2021 deadly winter freeze and grid failure, unquote. One of the key topics we've learned a lot about from our conversations with Senator Gutierrez is the border. Very important to understand and help others understand that Texas Governor Greg Abbott has twisted a humanitarian crisis with humane and actually economically beneficial possible solutions into a looming constitutional crisis, risking the legitimacy of the very American system simply to ratchet up hysteria, fear, and racist hatred. Given just about everything about Donald Trump, we've not been surprised to see him gloat with glee over Governor Abbott's display over the border, but one might have hoped for more restraint from his near-hopeless challenger, Nikki Haley. Well, one would be disappointed. Victor Nava at the New York Post writes that Haley has said that should Texas decide to leave the union over Abbott's tiff with the feds, it can just take its ball and go home. This was during an appearance on the syndicated Breakfast Club morning show yesterday when Haley said that secession is a right of the states, saying, quote, I think states have a right to make the decisions that their people want to make. If Texas decides they want to do that, they can do that. If that whole state says we don't want to be part of America anymore, I mean, that's their decision to make, unquote, displaying an astounding lack of historical and constitutional understanding, perhaps deliberately. As most seventh graders know, the issue of state secession was largely settled by the Union victory over the Confederates in the Civil War and the 1869 Supreme Court ruling Texas versus White which affirmed that states cannot unilaterally secede from the U.S. Not that this is new, of course. You'll recall that just last month, Haley sidestepped slavery when asked about the primary causes of the Civil War. Nikki Haley trails former President Donald Trump by more than 30 points in the upcoming South Carolina Republican primary in her own home state coming up on February 24th. Similar duplicity over history and legal precedent from a more likely source this week. That would be Texas' own U.S. Representative Chip Roy, who suggested that the recent way-too-close 5-4 call by the U.S. Supreme Court allowing federal border personnel to cut through razor wire placed between them and migrants needing their help in the Rio Grande by Texas was on par with the notorious Dred Scott decision of 1857, which held that the U.S. Constitution did not extend American citizenship to people of black African descent 
and thus they could not enjoy the rights and privileges the Constitution conferred upon American citizens. Dred Scott is generally held as the worst call ever made by the nation's highest court and was a key moment in the lead-up to the American Civil War. Clayton Vickers at the Hill says Representative Roy was responding to Omar Jadwat, director of the Immigrants' Rights Project at the ACLU, who had stated during a hearing that state governors don't have free reign to take action in matters of immigration policy, saying, quote, 150 years of Supreme Court precedent says that states do not have the authority to take immigration matters into their own hands, unquote. At which point Roy countered by asking Jodwat if Dred Scott was a decision we should all continue following, suggesting that governors can pick and choose which Supreme Court rulings to follow and which to ignore. A befuddled Democratic Representative Becca Ballant of Vermont said later in the same hearing, quote, with all due respect to Chairman Roy, I believe his call for Texas to ignore the Supreme Court is an endorsement of lawlessness and chaos, unquote, and we agree. While we're engaged in constitutional gymnastics, here's another one. Courtney Rao and Connor McIntyre at KOMO-TV in Seattle ran a fact check on the question, can the federal government take control of the Texas National Guard? They find that Title 10 of the U.S. Code grants the Secretary of Defense the authority to control troops during certain situations like rebellion or invasion. But there's a key clause of Title 10 in the U.S. Code that says, quote, units and members of the Army National Guard of the United States or the Air National Guard of the United States may not be ordered to active duty under this subsection without the consent of the governor of the state, unquote. Consent, of course, that seems highly unlikely to come from Governor Abbott. Meanwhile, Abbott argues that he should be in control of his state's border because the Texas National Guard operates under Title 32 of the U.S. Code, which says the governor gets to act as commander-in-chief of the state's armed forces. All of that said, as we've talked about this week, there's historical precedent for federal takeovers of state guard forces, both with Eisenhower in the 50s and Kennedy in the 60s, so this is anything but conclusive. With all the high-level constitutional discussion, the local impacts of all of this may be getting overlooked. A new piece in Slate tries to get at what the residents of the Texas border town at the center of the immigration debate really want. Writer Molly Olmstead talked to several Eagle Pass, Texas locals, and it appears they just want their town back, as the community of 28,000 has, quote, transformed from a relatively quiet international commerce waypoint into a destination for conservative live-streaming and speech-making, unquote. The drama cooked up by our governor has proven as much, if not more, a nuisance for the people of Eagle Pass as crossing migrants ever have. See the show notes for an interesting read from Slate. A big part of that drama, of course, is visiting right-wing self-styled citizen soldiers looking for trouble who tend to stick out like sore thumbs amidst Eagle Pass's tight-knit, mostly Hispanic populace, which brings us to that stupid truck convoy. Joshua Zitzer at Business Insider writes that the convoy of vehicles headed to Texas calling itself God's Army and organized by a group called Take Our Border Back, has had a comically chaotic start. Some inbound participants woke up to find their car tires slashed outside their hotel. Their rallying location was hastily rearranged after the original host kicked them out. After a late departure, had at least one vehicle wander away and get lost. And infighting between the members of this project has resulted in at least one participant being ejected from the club. Don't know about you, but I expect a bit more organization of an army marching for the almighty. Finally, on the border and the Constitution and all the secession silliness, one may wonder how many Texans calling for independence are old enough to rely on Social Security and Medicare. I'd bet quite a few. And then one may wonder if they've considered, as Suzanne Blake at Newsweek has, that if Texas seceded from the United States, those benefits would almost certainly and very quickly go bye-bye. 
True Tamplin, the founder of the consulting firm Finance Strategies, tells Blake, quote, in the event of Texas seceding from the United States, the status of Medicare benefits for Texas residents would be highly uncertain and dependent on the terms of the secession. If Texas were to become an independent nation, it would no longer be part of the U.S. Medicare system, unquote. Leaving the union in a huff is unlikely to leave much room for an amicable agreement on federal programs like these. And can you picture the current Texas government placing a high priority on accommodating the health and well-being of our vulnerable elders? Me neither. They'd also, apparently, be unwilling to allow for common self-medication, as evidenced by a new lawsuit from our multiply indicted attorney general. Luz Moreno Lozano at KUT in Austin says Ken Paxton is suing the cities of Austin, San Marcos, Colleen, Denton, and Elgin, accusing them of adopting policies he says violate state marijuana laws. Paxton argues the Texas local government code forbids cities from adopting policies in which a city is not fully enforcing drug laws, plus that the Texas Constitution notes it's unlawful for cities to adopt ordinances that conflict with state law, saying, quote, I will not stand idly by as cities run by pro-crime extremists deliberately violate Texas law and promote the use of illicit drugs that harm our communities. We don't allow cities the ability to create anarchy by picking and choosing the laws they enforce, unquote. Yep, most pot smokers I've come across in my day are definitely out there agitating for anarchy. Julie Oliver of Ground Game Texas, which has organized quite a bit of the local ordinances, steering precious police resources to much more important enforcement tasks, says, quote, Ken Paxton's lawsuits represent an anti-democratic assault on the constitutional authority of Texas home rule cities to set local law enforcement priorities. In each of the cities sued, a supermajority of voters adopted a policy to deprioritize marijuana enforcement in order to reduce racially biased law enforcement outcomes and save scarce public resources for higher priority public safety needs, unquote. While all of this is happening, yet another reminder that a majority of even Republican voters in Texas support marijuana decriminalization, if not outright legalization. Progress Texas proudly celebrates Black History Month starting today and running throughout February. We have a nice calendar of related events across the state to check out at progresstexas.org. Tonight, February 1st, Austin kicks off the celebration with Create and Heal, African Americans in the Arts, an interactive art experience and African dance workshop at the Carver Museum. In Dallas, underway today, the month-long exhibits and events happening at the African American Museum. In Houston, starting this weekend and happening every Saturday through the month, Avenida Houston hosts programming that will feature art, music, minority vendors, and educational activities that reflect and celebrate Houston's rich diversity. And all month long in San Antonio, prints by contemporary black artists are featured at the McNay Art Museum. Full schedule for Black History Month across Texas is up now at our website. Note that we're close to the deadline to be registered to vote in the March primary. Your mailed application has to be postmarked no later than February 5th. That's Monday. All about voting in Texas at GoVoteTexas.org. And again, a mention of two job openings we have right now here at Progress Texas. We're looking for a full-time advocacy manager, and we also need a communications intern. want to emphasize that that internship is a paid and flexible position and a great opportunity for a student out there to break into the exciting world of political media in Texas. Come on and join our team. Both of these listings are up now at our website. 
And right now, there's a great opportunity to support Progress Texas in this all-important election year. Whether you follow us for our great pods, our handy and popular digital voter guides, or any of the other fun and useful things we produce, you can support our work during the annual Amplify Austin nonprofit and charity fundraiser, of which the early giving phase is underway now. No matter where in the state you live, you can sign up to be a fundraising champion and help Progress Texas continue to shape positive, progressive messaging for the issues you care about. We're eligible for bonuses, too, including the org with the most unique donors, so donations of any amount at all are a big help. We thank you in advance. That's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Progress Texas is a nonprofit rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. While campaigns come and go, we're the permanent home for progressive media and action in the Lone Star State. Find our web store and other ways to support our ongoing mission at ProgressTexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. We'll see you again tomorrow morning.